It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It is 6.07 on Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. Walter Reeves and Georgia Gardner here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do. If you've got things in your garden that you want to do better at, more you know, flowers, less weeds, a little bit better vegetables next year, I can help you. I can tell you what to do. I've done it all myself. I've killed my share of plants. I can tell you how to avoid killing your share of plants. I get you headed in the right direction. If you need an excuse to not do something in your garden, yeah, give me a call. I'll tell you, excuse me, why that's a bad idea. You don't need to do that today. You need to let down, lay down and rest. That's probably a good idea to tell your, tell your family that you're resting today from gardening. Um, if you need advice on organic gardening, I give you plenty of good advice on how to avoid the use of chemicals. If you want to use chemicals, I will tell you how to use the chemicals safely and effectively so you don't have to use too many of them to accomplish the goals that you have in your garden. If you want anything that has to do with the outdoor world, green, brown, flowering, non-flowering, give me a call, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Get your name on the line, and here we come. One of the things, a little rant here, one of the things that I notice as the temperature now has begun to cool off, finally fall has arrived, and we have cool temperatures to greet us in the morning rather than 70, 80, 90 degrees during the day. But one of the things that I do notice on my way to the radio station on a Saturday morning is two people on my way are still watering their lawns. People, 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 we don't need to water lawns this late in the season. Lawns have gotten plenty of water. The other day we had a nice rain due to the uh, hurricane and the rainstorms came they wet down most of atlanta pretty well and here it is i passed by the two this morning water going all over the street water going on the lawn why these folks have not yet turned off their irrigation system i do not know i want to put a note in their mailbox i want to say hey stop wasting water you don't need to water your lawn anymore the lawn grass does not need it it'll be too wet you'll get diseases and then you'll Come call that man on the radio and ask him why your lawn has diseases. Because it's too wet. The roots are too wet. So I need to need to sort of give a little hint to the folks that are watering their lawn still that it's not needed anymore. Fertilizing your lawn. If you have fescue, yeah, this is a great time to fertilize fescue grass. Boy, fescue loves being fertilized in October. Maybe another time in late November, Christmas time, another time in February of next year, February. And perhaps in April of next year, man, you can get fescue to grow green. It will look great. You'll be mowing on Christmas Day out there, mowing the fescue grass, because it's going to be really, really nice looking for fertilizer in the fall. Now, the other grasses, Bermuda grass, zoysia grass, um, centipedes, and I've seen the rest of the warm season grasses, we call them, they do not need fertilizer. They're slowing down. I know my... St. Augustine, when did I last mow that? It was certainly a week, maybe before I went to Croatia. That was two or three weeks ago. So I haven't mowed the lawn there for three, probably, maybe even four weeks so far because the grass is slowing down, as you'll notice if you have zoysia or 
Bermuda grass, they all slow down as the day, line, day length gets shorter and the temperatures get lower, then the grass slows down. It doesn't need any fertilizer. It's doing fine all by itself, just doing what it's doing. Right now, so nothing to do with fertilizing the warm season grasses, but if you have fescue, go ahead and do that. If you have not put, yet put down your pre-emergent, there's still plenty of time to get that done, although sooner rather than later. That's probably the word we want to talk about here. I know that I mentioned... When did I start talking about this? Probably three weeks ago. I started mentioning that the soil temperature needs to be around 70 degrees and declining in order to prevent the, the germination of POA annual, the annual bluegrass. You put a pre-emergent out before the soil temperature is 70 degrees and declining. And my friend Mike down in McDonough said, hey, I don't know if the chickweed was reading or listening to you on the radio, but the chickweed is already sprouting even though the soil temperatures were still 70 degrees and pretty stable during the time he wrote to me. So get the pre-emergent out. If you're going to use pre-emergent to keep weed seeds from germinating, go ahead, get it done now. Be sure that the, uh, that the ground, that the chemical, I should say, is watered into the ground so it dissolves and sets itself in the soil to prevent the weed seeds from germinating. Let's go to the phones. Who can we go in here first? Oh, let's see. What about from Griffin, Georgia, my friend Nicole? Good morning, Nicole. Mr. Reeves. It's Nicole. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Long time no talk. Yeah, I know. Nicole, now I was talking to someone yesterday who asked how long you and I have been talking on the radio. How long has it been? Well, uh, Mr. Reeves, I've been in this house for 21 years. And uh, the first few years, ah, I'm telling you, 18 or 19 years, because uh, remember this lady? She's in Montana right now. Oh, Teresa Strong, yes. yeah, yeah, sure. You still keep in touch with her? Yeah, sure. All right, all right. So she was my um, answering the phone every Saturday morning. Wow. So it's been a long time. Mr. Reeve, I didn't hear your trip in Kyosha, oh. and then I'd like to know what kind of landscape do they have over there? It was great, Nicole. I'm going to, later on this morning, around, I think, in the 8 o'clock hour, I'm going to talk about something we did beside the trip to Croatia on the way back. We went to Amsterdam for a day and went to the world's biggest flower auction. It was spectacular. It was really, really impressive. And so I want to talk about that around the 8 o'clock hour. The landscape in Croatia, I'll tell you the truth, Nicole, most of the plants we recognized. There wasn't much that we didn't know. It's a little bit warmer there, a little bit more Mediterranean than maybe Georgia is. But the plant life, the trees, shrubs, flowers, and things, you've pretty well said, okay, that's an alyssum over there, and that's a, um, some bulbs over here. And so it was pretty much the same. The main difference, of course, in Croatia is that it's along the Adriatic Sea. The Adriatic Sea is between Croatia and uh, Italy. And so you had to, I guess, think about how the water, how the effect of the temperature of the water affects the landscapes next to the coast there. So uh, is the uh, land uh, rocky? Yeah, the... yeah, more rocky than here, certainly, um, as you'd, I guess, expect, closer to the seashore, so it's rocky. You know, I didn't mention this, Nicole, to anybody but you now, is that is that one of the cities we visited, oh, which city was it? Was it, it wasn't Dubrovnik, it was another city. But we walked on this path <clears throat> up a real, real steep hill to a castle overlooking the city. And one of the things that I noticed was that people along the path had taken rocks 
and stack them up into little piles, single rocks, one, two, three, four, five single rocks on top of each other. And the piles might be a foot, two feet, some of them uh, tall. And others had found rocks with holes in them and had nailed them, I guess it is, like nailed them to the trees there. Not good for the tree particularly, but sort of an interesting effect uh, in the landscape alongside this path. So the people were using the rocky you know, landscape there to do sort of quirky things just along this path as we were walking up to the castle. And uh, I thought that was pretty neat that folks were doing that. Well, they were building castle on top to see, you know, uh, the ship and everything. Yeah, but right. then again, you have the problem from erosion. I mean, the, the the stone's going to, uh, uh, why not the, lands, the landscape? Yeah. But they, have, they cannot accumulate water on top, too. Yeah, good point. Exactly right. The erosion is going to be down lower, but on top of the mountain where things are pretty high, then you don't have quite the effect of lots of water coming down the hill towards you. It is so amazing because I've always been fascinated with geography because people, as much as they love water, we need water as much we are afraid of. Look at the, uh, you know, the uh, Panama City, such, uh, you know, there's (laughs) no place where the water can go because we're so low from, you know, to the ground. And the tsunami that happened out in other parts in the Asian part of the world just last week or two and just thousands of people dead. And in Panama City, the thousands of houses knocked to the ground by the force of water coming in, going back out again. Unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Water is important. Water, we need water for us. We need water for our plants, but water can be destructive, and we have to learn how to um, you know, manage the destructiveness, I guess, of the water itself. And yeah. Well, when you need, like at the, at the end, see, when you need from in, you probably build in the air. You know, like those castles yeah, that people, right. you know, they knew the water would go up, you know. One of the things is, speaking of going in the air, and we've got to get out in just a minute, Nicole, but one of the things that was interesting about going to other countries, and particularly countries that um, don't have the industry and the, I guess, ability really to build high-rises, is we didn't see a single, single high-rise in anywhere that we went, whether Zagreb or <clears throat> the other cities along the coast that we went to, um, because for whatever reason, they do have earthquakes over there. That could be one reason, but uh, there were no real tall buildings, which makes it more scenic, more sort of old school, you know what I mean. It's just the houses and buildings were five, maybe six stories high, and that was it. It was nice to see that. Cathedrals, of course, many times are the tallest building in a town. Nothing can get taller than the cathedral in the center of town. Because of the wind, the wind will destroy. That's why Panama City, the new building, they have to be around uh, on top and more, you know, uh, because I bet all those big seas, there's a lot of wind. And uh, another interesting thing is one of the cities we visited, the streets were offset by just a little bit. The end of the street was offset by about 20 feet. And so you see a long line of streets, um, and the end of the street would be offset by the next by about 20 feet. And that was to break the wind, exactly as you say, to break the wind, keep the wind from sweeping up the streets and being just knocking everything down in its path. It was very windy on one of the uh, places that we went. And you could see how much damage wind could do, but the houses actually did their job, breaking the wind so it wasn't very gusty at all when you were between the houses on the streets there. 
Because the structure of the rock is much stronger than brick. Yeah, sure. But now we got paper. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't live in paper houses, but I know some people who might over in Japan, for instance. Well, Nicole, we got to get out of here, but it's great talking to you. Great to hear from you once again. And so we will see you next Saturday. 8 o'clock, you go to talk about flowers. 8 o'clock, Croatia, and the Alsmere Flower Auction in uh, Amsterdam. Sure will. All right. All right. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well, Nicole. Thanks so much for calling. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, pretty sunny all day long. Certainly cooler than it has been for the last couple of weeks. Today, the high around 73, low tonight around 61, I think. Tomorrow, a little bit warmer, high around 78 degrees, low about 64 degrees tomorrow night. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. First in line after Nicole this morning comes Mr. Ryan from Atlanta. Hey, Ryan. Morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Ryan, how can I help? Well, we uh, recently purchased our first home, my wife and I, and we've been just doing tons and tons of work outside and inside. One of the biggest projects that we actually just finally got the go-ahead for is we've got a guy who's going to install a large retaining wall in our backyard because it's a really heavy slope. And then he's going to have like a natural slope that leads down to a flat area that we can build a playground and have all sorts of stuff for for our children. Oh, cool. yeah, it, it's great. We're really excited. The problem that we're having is that there's not much light in our backyard. Um, uh, so we're trying to find options as far as things that we can plant and have uh, for vegetation's sake down there for two things. One would be the decorative things around, like, the playground area. Yeah. That'll survive and do well. We really would love to have grass, but I I just don't think that's a viable option. No. And the second thing is... Even, even fescue, fescue, you know, is a low-light, quote-unquote, low-light shade grass. But even fescue needs five hours at least of sunshine during the day in order to sort of thrive and keep the weeds from coming in. Yeah, and we it's, have a really heavy day. Yeah, we like probably only that. get two hours of, like, really good sunlight when it's directly overhead. Uh, there are listeners right now, Ryan, who are going to hate on me for saying this, but English ivy will work fine in two hours of sunshine. English ivy grows under magnolia trees. If it grows under a magnolia tree, it is shade tolerant. And it's not going to grow fast. Nothing in that sort of low light level is going to go really fast. But of any ground cover to hold the soil and prevent some of the erosion, English ivy will do the job. And you're going to have to make sure, I'm sure your landscaper knows to do this, but the slope that he uses or she uh, leaves back there needs to be pretty shallow. You don't want any kind of steep slopes because the ivy or any other thing that you plant back there simply can't hold the soil against a good steep slope with a lot of water cascading down. it just wash off down to the bottom. So make sure there's a pretty shallow slope. Terrace it a couple of times if need be. But I would say English ivy will work. Or maybe the other alternative, Brian, is monkey grass. 
monkey grass or uh, there are two kinds of monkey grass it's spreading monkey grass and clumping monkey grass I think either one would work but both of them would go pretty slow I think to establish themselves there huh, and you're saying that would be for the sloped area that's yeah. actually you know, yeah. kind of the well anything that's really heavily shaded I think that's about all you got that's all you got to go in there Huh. Okay. All well, right. I wish I had a better answer for you, Ryan, but basically there are very, very few plants that really thrive in shade. Some of them that do thrive in shade are pretty weedy and get all over everything else. So English ivy, monkey grass, those are your choices, I think. The 628 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. You know something I forgot to mention was how much fun it was to go to the Pike Nursery in Milton last Saturday. Ashley Frasca was able to come with me, and Mickey Gasway, of course, from Pike Nursery was there too. But the newest Pike Nursery store in Milton, Georgia, up in Alpharetta, is gorgeous. It is big. It is just covers a lot of ground. And if you are near the store there, Bethany Bend Road is the, is the address, up in Milton, Alpharetta, some still call it. But that's really worth your time to go by and see it. They have lots and lots of flowers, of course, Lots and lots of uh, greenery and uh, trees, shrubs, and the whole nine yards that you expect from Pike Nursery. But I had a great time. One of the things that I enjoyed a lot was Joe Lample. Yeah, you've uh, met Joe Lample because he sometimes substitutes for me here at the show. And Joe lives about two miles from the Milton Pike store. And so he was very gracious. He came by the broadcast and invited Ashley and I and Ashley's mom to go over to his house for a minute and see what his garden looks like. And, of course, Joe is a fabulous gardener, as he should be, because he hosts a TV show, Growing a Greener World, shown 8.30 Saturday mornings on Georgia Public Broadcasting. And uh, Joe is a very gracious host. He has lots of big raised beds and irrigation system and seedlings coming up here and all the, all the things you would expect from a TV-ready garden. Plus, of course, the chickens, the horses, the goats, and other animals he has around there just for decorations, too. But again, if you are near the Pike Nursery in Milton, Georgia, it is well worth your time to go. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750 this morning. Mary is out in Vinings and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mary, good morning. Good morning, Walter, and thanks for taking my call. Sure, Mary. What's up? Well, you've, I've talked to you about this pomegranate. What was a bush is now sort of a tree. Yeah. And it had thousands of blossoms. It has probably about eight to ten pieces of, you know, pomegranates on it. And it's way too big. It's shading my um, vegetable garden. Mm -hmm. So I want to cut it way back. Is it too soon to cut it back? I think I would wait till it gets a little colder. And the reason I'm saying that simply is that when you prune things in the late summer, early fall, the plant naturally, thinking that it's going to be warm for another couple of months maybe, it's telling itself once that you've done the pruning, Mary, it says, you know, I could grow some new branches, grow some new leaves, sprout some buds here on me. 
before the cold weather really comes, it thinks to itself, but it doesn't read the calendar. And then we know that it's going to get cold in just a few weeks. And so it's possible that new growth might pop out on the pomegranate and the cold weather that comes in November, December could hurt the buds there. So if you waited until it is really cold, like November, mid-November maybe, then the pomegranate is thinking to itself, all right, it's cold. I won't do anything. I'll just be dormant for now until it gets warm again. So okay. safer probably to wait until mid-November. Perfect. That's what I'll do then. Thanks so much. Well, I have care. a comment, though, Mary. I have a comment to make. Yes. that One of the yes. ways you can tell that Croatia is more of a Mediterranean climate than Georgia is, or Atlanta, is because of the many pomegranate trees there. We would see pomegranates yeah. commonly alongside the highway and for sale in the markets and places like that. And uh, I thought that was sort of interesting. Do you know what a loquat is, Mary? Never heard of one. We don't much in Atlanta because it's a, a tree that has a little fruit on it, about as big as a ping pong ball, I guess. Lots and lots of ping pong ball-sized fruit, which are quite delicious. But the loquat, bless its heart, is one that flowers in January and fruits in February. And in Atlanta, that ain't going to not going to get much fruit <laughs> off of that kind of tree. No. Whereas in the Mediterranean environments, loquat is perfectly happy. It doesn't get that I cold did. in the wintertime. So it has fruit, flowers in the winter in January, February. And so they have loquat on the um, on the menu as well. There. So you have loquat for breakfast. You have loquat gelato, loquat this, that, and the other. Whereas here, if you recognize it, you'll see loquat trees around Atlanta, but the fruit rare to ever getting old enough to get ripe here. Interesting, yeah. interesting plant. Yeah, I'm, I'm questioning pomegranates at this point. Uh, yeah, we're on the we're on the edge. My mother down in uh, Fayette County, south of Atlanta, had a pomegranate there that. Just about every year, she get four or five pomegranates off of it, but occasionally it get frozen, and that was the end of the story for pomegranates there. Same thing happens in Atlanta. It gets cold in the wintertime uh, often enough that a lot of people just sort of give up on the pomegranate. How long have you had yeah. yours, Mary? It's about five years old, five or six, and it's huge now. Uh -huh. It's been happy. It's against a fence and protected. But um, it just, and it, the flowers are beautiful, but I mean, it's such a heartbreaker when there's so few yeah. pomegranates on it. Yeah, yeah. What made you want to plant it in the first place? I love pomegranates. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. <laughs> yeah, I, I will share something personal with you, Mary. I don't like pomegranates. I just don't like the oh. sensation of those little juicy nuggets inside and then the bitter seeds inside that. And also, my theory about eating them is you just about have to do it in a bathtub with no clothes on because it's staying yeah. <laughs> you get all over your clothes and everywhere. It sprouts all over your face. So. I'm believing it. <laughs> what, what do you do to eat them? What do you do to enjoy a pomegranate? I peel them and eat the little seeds, and then I also put them on salads. And yeah. Didn't you tell me a couple of calls ago that you can make grenadine out of yeah sure that's exactly what pomegranates are or what grenadine is is pomegranate juice with some, some sweetener added to it yeah well it's supposed to be full of antioxidants oh yeah so those are supposed to be good for you yeah gotta be good eat for your you pomegranates somehow. eat your pomegranates <laughs> but still i'm not going to ask for them favorite. in a restaurant you can have mine mary <laughs> they're all yours fine go ahead take all them. right I'll take them. Thanks, Walter. Hey, take care. You bet, Mary. Thank Thanks for calling. Thank you. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Mary's place.
There are, indeed, a lot of fruits and things like that that you might see in other parts of the world that you don't see in Atlanta. And I don't know why I said that, because I wanted to segue into the poor folks in southwest Georgia who are growing things that grow very nicely down there, except when hurricanes come through. I am just heartbroken, heartbroken for the families and the farmers in southwest Georgia who were just knocked on their heels by the hurricane that came through earlier this week. If you have not seen some of the pictures, they will rend your heart because they're these huge, huge before and after pictures of cotton fields that are just white with cotton, acres and acres, 20, 30, 40, 50 acres of cotton beside the highway, white the day before the hurricane came. The winds came, the rain came, the fields are totally brown, smashed down, the cotton bowls are down in the mud, in the, in the soil. They're not going to harvest hardly anything from that field, or the cotton field. That, that was their income for the year, is the harvest they get from the cotton field. The pecan groves, I have a, a friend who used to be an extension agent with me who's retired, who lives in South Georgia, and he wrote into a little email listserv that we have for retirees and said, we have this long paved, not paved, but uh, sand road down here in southwest Georgia that uh, is covered in knockdown pine trees. He said there's probably 50 or 100 knockdown pine trees between my house and the highway. And it's only, I think, a couple hundred yards from his house to the highway. But all these pine trees are knocked down. But he said that somehow I clambered over the trees in order to get to my pecan grove because he, Roy, has been working on his pecan grove for at least the last 25 or 30 years. Every year gets a great crop of pecans, harvests them, and sells them, of course, to folks and makes a living growing pecans. When he got to his pecan grove, he said, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. It looked like the day after you have harvested, there was not hardly a pecan on a tree there. A bunch of the trees had been knocked over or were leaning. My pecan trees were leaning. The ground is littered with green nuts, not many of which can I, can I harvest and be you know, edible, salable to them. And so he said, my pecan income for the year is just about completely wiped out. Now, Roy, being a retiree, he has a little bit of income coming in from his pension, from things like that. But for farmers who base their whole year's cycle on planting and then harvesting, whether it be cotton or pecans or corn or soybeans or peanuts, all those things down in South Georgia, they were just scoured from the earth by the wind and the rain from the hurricane. I don't know what organized um, efforts we're going to do here in Atlanta to release some of them. I know the Department of Agriculture, Gary Black, and the federal ag folks are going down there and just trying to do their best to find out what is the damage, what do we have to do to help the farmers to get through this. The chicken folks, oh my gosh. You don't think of southwest Georgia as being a chicken farm area, but it is covered in chicken houses down there. Two million chickens gone. What are you going to do with two million chickens? You're going to bury them. You're going to get a big bulldozer and dig a great big trench and shove your entire chicken house and the chickens in it into the trench. Now what have you got? Clear land, no chicken house, no chickens, and hardly any money to buy new chickens or to rebuild your houses down there, to rebuild your, your feed bins, to rebuild the, the irrigation and the, the watering systems that you had in the chicken house. So what are you going to do? Sadly, a lot of the farmers in South Georgia are going to look at themselves and their family and say, man, do we really want to keep doing this? Why, in a place where we don't get even 
good internet service, where we don't get good roads, where we don't have a hospital to serve our family, where we have to go 30, 40 miles just to just to have a doctor look at us when we feel sick. What are we going to do? Let's pack up. Let's see if somebody wants to buy our land, go pack up. Let's go to Atlanta. Let's go somewhere else that has a little more economic future for our children because there just doesn't seem to be a lot going on in South Georgia. And that is one of the reasons why this new election that's coming up for governor of Georgia is so critical that we try to find somebody who has a viable plan for reviving Southwest Georgia because we need them. They are the farmers that create what is it, $3 billion worth of business in Georgia. Agriculture is the biggest business in Georgia, not the airport, not manufacturing in Atlanta, not tourism in North Georgia. It is agriculture South Georgia that drives the, uh, the income that the state of Georgia gets, the taxes that the state of Georgia gets as well. If we don't have that agriculture, then we have not a lot. We've got to do something to make sure the farmers and the people that live and serve the farmers in South Georgia are taken care of somehow. And I hope that one of our candidates for governor has a viable plan for taking care of them. Well, now you know how I feel about the people, poor folks in South Georgia. I have a lot of kinship with them. I've grown up on a farm and worked with people from farms all my life and a lot of friends who still live on farms down there. I hope and pray that they get through this okay. Our phone number on Lana Garden, 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. If my words did glow With the gold of sunshine And my tunes were played On the heart of the strong well, a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, high of 74, low of 56 under sunny skies. Tonight's going to be clear to partly cloudy. And tomorrow, partly cloudy. Again, high of 78, low of 61. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Gene in Bremen joins us this morning. Hey, Gene, good morning. Good morning. So, Gene, before we get to your question, how long have you been calling this show? about 10 years, I guess. Ten years, long time. Long time. I reckon, of course, recognize your voice <laughs> for many times. I talked to Nicole just now, and she thinks 17, 16, something like that. So it's interesting to know the voices of my callers and know sort of you know where you live and that sort of thing and the types of questions that you have. And for 10 years, all right, we've had a long relationship. How can I help, Gene? Uh, we have a huge, tall, beautiful maple tree. Yeah. But the uh, Roots is sort of coming up on top of the ground now. Yeah. Should I haul dirt and cover them up good or with a thick layer of mulch? Either way would work fine. Do? As long as the layer of dirt is not hard, heavy clay you can't breathe through, then you could use sort of light sandy loam if you can find that somehow next to the 
next to the river or creek down in Bremen. I'm sure there's some place you can shovel up a little half a truckload of soil, sandy soil, and spread it over the roots. Mulch works fine too. Pine chips works great over roots. But the main thing you don't want to do is chop them. Don't be like some of these people that call in and say, how much of these roots can I chop down with my axe so I don't hit them with the mower when I'm underneath my maple tree? No, we're not going to chop down those roots. We're going to cover them up. If you have dirt in there, of course, Gene, you can plant some of the shade shade tolerant things, mondo grass or or some of the other shade tolerant plants, ferns, things like that. But if you put mulch, well, it's going to be nice and brown and uniform. That'll be fine, too. Well, I've got a lot, uh, load of bark chips where they was cutting the new growth off the tree. Yeah, sure. It's got a lot of pine straw and leaves. It's real fine. Yeah. I mean, it's chopped up good. Would that be okay? It'll be absolutely fine. And oh. the good news is that over... A couple, what is it, a couple of years or so, all the chips and things you put down now will decompose pretty quickly, quick, more quickly than bark chips will. They're just the chippings when you chip up a tree, when people trim trees, um, that depo- decomposes pretty quickly into pretty good soil. And then the earthworms underneath come up and bring it down, so you have a nice improvement of the soil underneath the maple tree, and the maple is pretty happy because of that. Well, I shouldn't put any fertilizer or anything down under it, should I? I don't think so. I don't think you need that for the tree or for the mulch or anything. Let let nature take its course. Okay. Thanks a bunch. I depend on you Yeah, Gene, I depend on you calling (laughs) as well. Thanks so much for calling today. Thank you. We'll see you soon. It's our number on Lawn and Garden, 404 872 404 Get your questions about gardening answered on a Saturday morning and go back to sleep. 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after news.